0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, to grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: We've been doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. This morning we're at chapter 12, And we're actually going to pick up in verse 14. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Saints, if you're there, would you say amen? Well, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and a great multitude followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be. Now, notice he warned them not to make him known. This word warned is to sternly warn. It's not soft at all. He sternly warned them not to go out and tell anyone of the healing that had just taken place. In other words, this word in the Greek language, actually, he warned them, actually carries with it a, 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 an idea of if they were to tell someone, there would be consequences. So he sternly warned them not to go and make him known. Why? Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. This is Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul was well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will, he Jesus, will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, notice this, he will not quarrel, nor cry out. Nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. Now verse 20 is a beautiful verse. You ought to remember it, highlight it, tattoo it to your heart. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. Until he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name, Gentiles will trust. Stop right there. Give me your attention. If you haven't been with us, again, we've been going God, uh, verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew. And the last couple of weeks, actually, we've been talking about legalism. If you missed those teachings, the part one and two on the topic of legalism versus love, we've talked about that quite a bit. If you have been with us, then you know that Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees had a problem with it. The Pharisees were legalists. They had a problem with anything. Anything godly, anything spiritual, they had a problem with it. Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. And you would think that the Pharisees would rejoice, that they would be happy because God was in their midst. God was healing. Jesus, the son of God, was in their midst healing people. And you would think that that would have caused them to be happy. You would think that that would have caused them to rejoice. No, instead of rejoicing, they were rejecting And their hearts were filled with hardness. Their hearts were filled with hatred and murder and they plotted to kill him in verse 14. Then in verse 15 of our text, Jesus knew of that plot to kill him and so he left the synagogue. And the Bible tells us a huge multitude of people followed him and he healed them all. And he warned them sternly to tell no one of his healing. Now, I find that fascinating. Do you? He warned them sternly, don't go out and tell anybody about this healing. If that had been us and we would have healed someone, we would have told them to go tell everybody. (laughs) Isn't it true? If that had been us and God would have used us to bring about healing, we would have started a television ministry, a healing ministry. Oh, in these their hands are healing. I need to have a ministry. Go tell everyone. No, Jesus said, Don't go tell anyone. Why? Two reasons I want you to note. Two reasons. Number one, if you're taking notes, the reason why he didn't want them to tell anyone is because he didn't want the miracles to overshadow the message. Oh, that happens all too often. The miracles to overshadow the message. Secondly, it wasn't time for Jesus to be revealed. You see, at this moment, in chapter 12, you got to understand something about the life and the ministry of Jesus. Are you listening? Say amen. In the life and the ministry of Jesus, everything was on God's divine timetable. Everything. From his birth, to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, to the fact that someday he is going to come again for his people. All of these things are on God's divine timetable. And so right now, it wasn't time for Jesus to be revealed in this way. It was a time, this is a time right now, for humiliation in preparation for the cross, not exaltation. It's a time for him to be humble. It's a time for him to stay low as he is preparing and making his way to the cross. And someday there will be time for exaltation. So this is a time of humiliation in preparation for the cross, not for exhortation. So everything in his ministry, everything in the life of Jesus was on God's divine timetable. And also, right now, it was time to fulfill the prophecies spoken by Isaiah in verse 18. Did you see it? Verse 18 through 21 is a prophecy of Jesus Christ, the the serving savior. And from this prophecy, we can learn many things from the Father about the Son. Because the prophecy is speaking of Jesus, and it's from the Father. And so we are told concerning Jesus, notice in verse 18, Behold, God the Father says about God the Son, my servant. You see that? My servant. You see, Jesus' whole ministry was about being a servant. Jesus came as a servant, not only as a servant to man, but primarily, listen, primarily a servant to the Father. Jesus came as a servant. He was a servant of the Father to do the Father's will. He didn't come to do his own will. Jesus didn't come to impress people, He came to do the Father's will. As a servant. How do you know that, Rodney? John chapter 6, verse 38 that's your homework. For I have come, it says, down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was a servant. And not only was he a servant, but notice in your Bibles in verse 18 again, he was chosen of God. Jesus was chosen of God, not in the sense that he was selected from a pool of people. You know, there wasn't a vote in heaven and with the father, the son and the Holy Spirit and, you know, seeing who would go to the earth to die on the cross. And Jesus lost two to one. You understand that? Say amen. That's not kind of how it happened. You know, when when Jesus decided to come to the earth, he wasn't like, oh, darn, I got to go to the earth. Man, boy, father, how come you can't go? Holy Spirit, why can't you go? It wasn't like that. You see, the Bible is very clear. It was God the Father, and listen, it was God the Father in his redemptive plan who chose God the Son to be the instrument to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus is the one, the only Son of God. He was the only one capable of purchasing us from redeeming us from the world and purchasing our salvation. He was the only one capable. So he was chosen of God and he was a servant. And then look in your Bibles again and he was beloved of the Father. I like that. Interesting. Jesus was beloved or beloved, loved by the Father and hated by the world. You, Christian, you will be You are beloved of the Father, but you will be hated by the world. Have you noticed? There's like this pressure and this hatred toward Christianity, and it's not getting better. Do you know the Bible says this is a sign of the end times? Do you know we are living in the last days? Jesus is going to come soon. And, and, and we know that because we can see there's a hatred toward the believer. There's a hatred toward the Christian. So if the world hated God, hated Jesus, they're also going to hate you. But just like the Father loves Jesus, the Father loves you. And you've got to know that. And that's why they don't invite you to the office party. You know, they don't want to invite me to an office party. Good, I don't want to go no way, a little tired, corny party. I don't want to go no way. Y'all ain't got nothing to eat. I'm trying to go to your party. I don't want to go no way. That's why they don't invite you, because you're a Christian. But you got to know, hey, you know what? The world hates me, but I am loved of the Father. Amen, saints? And I'll tell you what, that's the best news. I don't care if the world hates me. I'm going to follow Jesus. I, the song saying, though none go with me, yet I will follow. I not care if they hate me. We'll be loved. Christian, you'll be loved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, it says, And he has made us Christians accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Jesus was a servant. Jesus was chosen, and Jesus is beloved by the Father. But then notice again in verse 18 and 19, very interesting verses here. It says, the Holy Spirit will rest on him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Notice this, he will not quarrel or cry out, and his voice will not be heard in the streets. Notice that, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. That's a fascinating verse. Now, that doesn't tell us, don't misunderstand this verse, it doesn't tell us that, or say, that Jesus will never raise his voice. We know that Jesus raised his voice. We know that in the temple, you remember when he went in the temple and he drove out the money changers? I don't imagine that scene, that Jesus went in the temple and drove out the money changers, and he did it in a nice, quiet voice. You know, temple people, leave you know, sound like Michael Jackson or something, you know. <laughs> he, he, he. You y'all got, you gotta leave. Please leave now. See, I, I don't get that scene like that. Do you? Do you? I don't. When Jesus went in the temple, see the Sunday school, Jesus has got to go. People think, oh, Jesus was so meek and mild, he never raised his voice. Never. Jesus would straighten you out. Jesus would run in the temple. He took a whip. He was like Get out of here, you brood of vipers. You make my father's house a den of thieves. Get out of here. That's what the text really means. Jesus most certainly would raise his voice. This is saying here, not that he will never raise his voice. This is actually, if you're taking notes, this is a reference to his humility and his gentleness. Notice the text. It says, I'll put my spirit upon him. He'll declare justice. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. That's just a reference to his humility and to his gentleness. And that is the one thing I love about our Jesus. He was humble. Don't you? No wonder the multitudes followed him. He was humble. People like to be around. Don't you like to be around people who are humble? just nice and humble and, you know, just, just not, you know, people who are prideful, you know, they, you know, always talking about them. You know what I mean? I got this and I got the bling bling and I got, you know, uh, you know, oh, check me out. You know, it's like, shh, stink. <laughs> Pride stinks. Humility is sweet. And Jesus was humble. He was just a humble man. Humility, we don't hear much talk about humility nowadays, have you noticed? Not many sermons on being humble, not many preachers preaching on humility. You won't see preachers nowadays eh, from the pulpit and the ministries in the churches, there's no humility. I suppose if Jesus was alive today, you wouldn't see him on, on TBN, Daystar, or BET. I don't think you would. When Jesus came riding into town, when he came riding in, he Today he wouldn't come riding in in a bulletproof limo. He'd probably coming in a pacer or something, you know. You know now if you got a pacer, that's that's humble. You are humble. Don't change a thing. You humble if you got a pacer. Now Jesus loves you more if you got a pacer. All right. But you know what I'm saying? He wouldn't come in, you know, because Jesus wasn't into self-advertisement. He wasn't into self-promotion. He wasn't into all the marketing plans. Jesus didn't come in. He wouldn't come in. If he were living today, he wouldn't come in with an entourage of people. Oh, step aside, step aside, step aside. Jesus, I'm here, I'm here. And bodyguards. You know, the kids say entourage. That means rolling deep. Y'all know what I mean. Jesus wouldn't roll deep. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. All right, that means he wouldn't come in. Let me, let me help some of y'all, all right? That means he wouldn't come in with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. He'd come in, and, 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 and I, I have you know, am I the only one that notices this? People, they, they have bodyguards now standing at the front of the stage and standing at the pulpits as if, you know, don't come near the pastor. Don't come near the pul-. bodyguards, you know, earpieces, you know, oh, well, crazy man on the left, clear crazy man on the left. Uh, somebody's coming near Jesus, uh, dive on crazy man, you know, uh, somebody get Jesus, cover Jesus. Uh, This stuff is happening. This is not humility. I suppose if Jesus was sitting in this room right now, you would not know who he was. As a matter of fact, don't you remember when they came to arrest him, they didn't even know who he was. And so Judas had to identify him with, uh, you know it. They didn't even know who he was. Jesus just a common ordinary man. He just kind of blended in. That's all. And that's humility. And this was his ministry. And any church, and any ministry, you should not come into a church and be able to identify who's in charge. Be able to identify the pastor and his wife. There shouldn't be anything visible where you come into a church and you go, oh, that's the pastor. And you go, oh, that must be the pastor right there. You know, or you know, he comes rising up out of the pulpit, you know, with smoke, like, and people go, oh, the pastor. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, come on, smoke and lights and disco ball and the whole night. Come on, that shouldn't happen. You should come in the church and you should know. Yeah, maybe you brought a friend with you and they go, well, who's the pastor? Who's Pastor Rodney? Oh, well, well, there he is right there, Pastor Rodney. Well, that's it? That's him? It's like, you know, it just should be normal. Not all this drama in the churches and all this self-exalting of self. And, you know, my pastor taught me, in the church there should be no big eyes and little U's. Everybody should be the same. The only big eye there should be is the eye that is in the title, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen, saints. He should be exalted in the church. He should be lifted up in the church. When you come into the church, you should see Jesus, not any person, not lifting up a man, because he'll fail you. Jesus will never fail you. Not an exalting people and, oh, they're important and they're not and they are and they're not and who's the pastor's buddy and who's not and all that. that, That's not the Lord. What's of the Lord is that when you come into the house of God that he is exalted and you sing la, 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 la for the glory of God and you sing for him and he's exalted and he's lifted up and all you see is him. And then when the word of God comes, all you hear is what God has to say by his spirit to your heart. That's all that matters. I just happen to be the instrument by which he chooses to deliver his word. Nothing special. Nothing special. You see? Just ordinary. I love that about Jesus. Don't you say amen. Don't just, just oh, I could talk all day. God doesn't like it when people steal his glory. And I don't care how big that church is. I don't care. I don't care if they have a worldwide ministry. God does not like it when people steal his glory. Don't ever touch his glory. Always give the glory. Pastor Rodney Gray's sermon. You know what I tell you? You know, praise the Lord. I don't tell you that because it's cute and cliche-ish. I tell you that because I mean it. Because I'm crying out and crawling on my knees and I want, oh God, help me not to say nothing stupid. Help me, Lord. Oh God, help me. I know. So when the servant comes, if you get anything out of it, praise the Lord. I give Him the glory, and so should you. Jesus was just ordinary, simple. He won't cry out and be heard in the streets. He's just humble. Notice in verse 20 in your Bibles, and concerning the ministry of the serving Savior, Isaiah says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Now, a reed is a fairly fragile plant that usually grows in a smelly swamp, and once it was bruised or battered, it was considered worthless or thrown away. And a flax is used to start a fire. And once it is burned or burns to the end, it's no longer useful. It was quenched and thrown away. And so in these verses... These verses tell us how Jesus views people who seem to be worthless to the world. Again, speaking of his humility and his gentleness, Jesus is so gentle, get this, that he will handle a bruised reed and he won't break it and he'll gently blow on a smoking flax and fan it to a full flame. (laughs) Your life broken? You feel like a bruised reed? God's not going to break you. You feel like, man, my fire's gone out. I'm not on fire as I used to be. Man, I was so on fire. I was blazing for Jesus. And now, my flame is turned to a flicker. Hey, God's not going to douse you with water. Push, put you out. He's not going to do that. You know what he's going to do? You're a smoking flax about to go out. You know what he's going to do? Breathe some life into you. Breathe on you and try to you. Come on, come on, man. You can do this. Come on, start praying. Start reading your Bible. Come on. God, I want to work in you. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Let me just get you back on fire if you just seek me. Come on. You can do it. I know you can by spirit. You can come on. Come on. <laughs> That's what, that's what he does. He's not going to douse you out. See, Satan tells you, oh, God's going to douse you out if you're not on fire for Jesus. Satan's going to douse you out, man. You're a weed and you're feeling broken? He's going to snap you in two. You see, that's the nature of man. That is not the nature of God. The nature of man is to seek and destroy. The nature of God is to seek and destroy and rescue and restore. You understand? He restores us lovingly and gently. He restores us. We, we destroy. You know, in my house, I've got, we got a bunch of ants. And it seemed like every ant in Apex is in my kitchen. (laughs) I I am amazed. And and you know, something about man. If we are more powerful and bigger than something, we want to crush them. So I'm standing at my kitchen sink. This happened just Friday, true story. I'm standing at my kitchen sink and I'm looking at those ants and I'm like, I'm feeling powerful. You ants, I could crush you all. You know, and and and, and you, you know what do you do when you when you see a bug, what do you do? You you kill it. I mean, when when you kill it, I mean it's kinda of natural. You take off your shoe and you kill it. Or you just kill it with your hand. Ooh, that's gross. But you kill it. Because when we have power, we crush. God has power. He restores. A bruised reed, he shall not break. And a smoking flax, he shall not quench. Notice in verse 22 through 30. We got to move on. And then one, in verse 22, if you're there, say amen. And then one was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him. Jesus healed him. So that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed. They were put out of their minds. They couldn't believe it. And they said, could this be the son of David, which is a messianic term? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus circled this, knew their thoughts. And he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges." But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me, in verse 30, is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad.